ਆਪਣੇ ਵਿਦਿਆ ਤੋਂ ਹੋਏ ਸਾਰੇ ਸੇਵਾ ਬਿਲਕੁਲ ਨਹੀਂ ਸਾਡੀ ਸਤਾਈ ਸੇ ਸਾਡੀ ਸਰਵਾਰ ਹੈ ਕਿਉਂ ਜਾਣ ਸਾਹਿਬ ਕਹੇ ਕਹੇ ਬਿਲਕੁਲ ਨਹੀਂ All right, give a hand to Tim this morning for leading without a voice. <clears throat> Not that we prefer it that way, but <laughs> Yeah, but it but that that's pretty impressive. Yeah. Great. If you're a um a veteran in the room, if you could stand so we could recognize you this morning for Veterans Day. Veteran? Let's give these guys a hand. Yeah. All right. So I want to thank you for your service, helping us to be free. I know that you've put your life on the line in more ways than we even understand as uh, just citizens of this country, and um, very, very proud to know you, and it's an honor that you're here today in our, our service. So happy Veterans Day. And for some in the room, uh, wasn't um, Marine's birthday yesterday? Friday. Friday. Yeah. So I knew it was somewhere around there, but yeah, so good. Very good. All right, um, I just have a very quick joke, just very quick, <clears throat> it's very quick. It's a Jehovah's Witness joke. All right, so are you ready? Knock, knock. <laughs> so turn your Bibles to Matthew chapter 5. <laughs> yeah, Matthew chapter 5, that's where we are. <clears throat> Um, how many, how many of you have ever played Rook? Like the game Rook? Anybody ever played the game Rook? Yeah. Back in the day, it was the Christian alternative to gambling. That's what it was. You could play this, these cards because it wasn't face cards because for some reason face cards were very bad to do. So yeah, it's Rook. <clears throat> and, um, I love playing Rook. My father and mother-in-law are extremely good when they are together. In fact, very few people can beat them when they are on a team together. I have seen them defeated um, and rejoiced in that because I cannot beat them yet. Like, I haven't had the right combination. Nicole and I, it's better for us not to be on the same team <clears throat> is really the way, way that's going to work. But it's not that we don't love each other. We just can't be on the same team um, but, but yeah, they are very, very, very good at it. And so I, I love this game. I love to play this game. And so, you know, there's other card games, like um, face card games would be poker. I, we play poker without money in my, in my house. We have the chips and stuff. And when Quinn was first learning poker, he couldn't get the concept of matching the cards. Like, you know, you want two of this, three of this, four of this. Like, that wasn't in his mind. <clears throat> what he was trying to do is put them in order. So he'd try to do two, three, four, five, you know, six, seven, eight. He understood that the jack was, you know, lower than the queen and the king. So he'd just try to put the cards in order. And he would beat us a lot of the time, you know, doing it that way. So he, he would actually do that. And, you know... He's not here, so I can say this. There's some times where the straight wasn't really a straight, but we just gave it to him anyway because he, he tried really hard. So, yeah, so that. So, yeah, um, <clears throat> sorry, got a little thing. How many of you have ever played Peanut? Oh, the last service, some people have played Peanut. Peanut is basically solitaire in a group. So what you do is you put... Put, line up the cards just like you would solitaire, and then you start matching the cards in the middle, and both of you are trying to match these cards is what you're trying to do. So, you know, you put, have y'all ever played solitaire? Does anybody know what's like? Yeah, so you play it in a group. So you can play it with two or ten people. And uh, the strategy for me when I'm playing it with two people is that I just go slow because the other person is always trying to go fast. And the reason I go slow is I know there's, only a certain amount of cards, and chances are I'm going to be able to lay my card down, if you understand how to play the game, I'm going to be able to lay my card down in a quick manner at the very end. So I'll hold on to my cards. I have six or, six or seven cards, and I'm playing just with one person, and, and they get stuck, and then all of a sudden I just lay it all out, right, and I'll win the game. Both poker and uh, peanut is card games where you can say, hey, can you deal me in? 
So poker, you can just get another chair at the table and, and sit, and you can, you can play that particular game. Peanut, if a group of people are paying, it's really a lot, a lot of fun when it is like over four people, <clears throat> like it, when it is between four and 10 people, like it's a lot of fun. I just can't keep up with it anymore. At my house, when it's four people, we're holding the cards, and actually it's, it's five because there is a boyfriend now, but um, we let him play. Um, but you know, it, I'm holding my cards I, and it just goes so fast. I just can't keep up with it. it. It's just tough for me to keep up with it now. I'm a little, I'm like, I guess I'm getting slower, but anyway, you can say deal me in. So everybody has heard that phrase, deal me in, right? Um, but there's a difference between dealing me into a card game and dealing me in like with, with some type of business or some type of stock that you would like to buy, right? For instance, all of us, would like to go back to the 70s and invest in Apple, right? And, and Microsoft, we would, we'd be millionaires at this point if we could go back and invest in those and then come back here because those are like stocks you want to invest in. So you can look at what made it in our time frame, go back and invest your money and then you could have a lot of money right now because you would want to be dealt in with something good. Walmart. <laughs> if you bought Walmart stock, right, you would, you would want to be dealt in, in there as well. Or Targets, right? Oh, come on. You've heard people say that. I have been, I've been in Walmart before where a person is writing a check back when we did that. <clears throat> back when we did that. And wrote on the check, Walmart's with an S on the end of it. So that, that's kind of funny. But we would want to be dealt into those particular stocks. Um, I looked online for a definition of deal me in. I didn't quite find a definition. I found an example of a sentence and how it's used. And this is how, how it's used. He was making a lot of money in the construction business, so I got him to deal me in. Emphasis, he was making a lot of money. I wanted to be a part of that. Deal me in because I'd like to make money. This is something positive I want to be a part of. So with that in mind, I want you to turn in your Bibles to Matthew chapter five. Matthew chapter five. Matthew chapter five. Y'all got there really fast. It's good. It means you know your Bibles. All right. Matthew chapter 5, verse 1 says, See in the crowds, that's Jesus, he went up on the mountain, and when he sat down, his disciples came to him when he saw the crowds. So we do not really know where this mountain is. A lot of people have have ideas about where it is outside of Capernaum, and, and there's different mountain ranges out, outside of there, but we're really not sure where Jesus is at this particular t uh, point in time, but we know that he went up a mountain. What we do know is the location we can look for the mountain in. And so from that broad kind of knowledge that we have, we can determine that this crowd that Jesus is talking to is not just made up of Jews. There are Jews and Gentiles amongst the crowd that came to see Jesus. It's at this point in time that Jesus is very well known, and so everybody in the area has heard about him. They've heard about his teaching ability. They've heard about his healing power. And so they've come out to hear him. They've come out to see him, and they didn't have to buy tickets. So they just came out because it was kind of a, a free sort of thing to do and very exciting. They weren't Instagramming it, <clears throat> you know, on the mountain. Oh, this is exactly what we would do. I've seen the pictures. Come on. They wasn't Instagramming it. They wasn't telling everybody. They were just there. They were there because they wanted to see Jesus. And he is sitting down and he's talking to them. And verse two says, and he opened his mouth and taught them saying, blessed are the poor in spirit for theirs is the kingdom of God. Blessed are the poor in spirit. Now, what does this particular phrase, poor in spirit, mean? And I think before we get that, I want you to turn to your neighbor and say, blessed does not mean happy. 
doesn't mean happy. It means fortunate. And we discussed that in the last two weeks. But what does poor in spirit mean? So there's been several, a lot of stuff actually written, written on this particular verse, actually all of the Beatitudes. And here are a couple of things that people have said that really it isn't what poor in spirit actually is. For instance, poor financially. Some people think that this means poor financially. So everybody that's poor will receive the kingdom of God. Well, that's wrong for two reasons. Number one, that would be another way of salvation than through the cross and Jesus. Like, in other words, what you need to do in order to get the kingdom that God is offering everybody is sell everything that you have, give it away, take a tent, move to a city and live in that tent. That's all you'd have to do. And those people would receive the kingdom of God. That's not what this means. So poor is not poor financially. Poor is not humble. There's another Greek word for humble. And if Jesus had wanted to say that, he could have said humble people are the ones who will receive the kingdom of God. Blessed are the humble. Now we know from other passages of scripture that humble people are actually blessed. For instance, it's the humble that God rises causes to rise, and the pride, prideful people are the ones that he causes to fall, right? So we know that. So we, we have that over here, but this isn't poor in spirit as if you have to be humble in order for you to receive the kingdom of heaven. <clears throat> it is not um, poor in a spiritual poverty sort of sense. It's not you and I knowing that we really need God. It, it's not that. Now, that's a good thing to know, Right? It's a good thing to know that you really need God. I really need God, but that's not what Jesus is saying here. Um, it's, it's not that particular poor in spiritual poverty. That's not what he's saying. So it's not, uh, I, I really, really need God and therefore I'll receive a kingdom. That is not what Jesus is saying. So what is Jesus saying here? I've worked on this for 12 years, trying to figure this out because this, is, this verse has always bothered me. It's always bothered me that, that we were, like, things you read and things you hear, that people would say that, oh, it's people that are poor financially that will receive the kingdom of God. Well, okay, I know in a broad sense everybody does, but there has to be something more to this, and it's poor in spirit. Or, or if there was a, they're humble, like you have to be humble in order to receive the kingdom of God. That would be called work salvation. So it's really kind of bothered me. So I've often wondered what the poor in spirit means, and it dawned on me one day. What is the opposite of poor? Rich. So rich in spirit. Rich in spirit. Okay, rich in spirit. What does that mean? That means things are going really good. You're rich in spirit. I am happy. I'm excited. I'm pumped up. I'm ready to go. I'm ready to take on this day. Oh, it's just going to be great. It's basically Disney World. I'm going to today. This is absolutely incredible. I'm very excited. I'm on an upswing in my emotions. Have you ever been on an upswing in your emotions? Nobody? Yeah, you've been on an upswing. You've been happy. How many, okay, how many of you are Carolina fans and they actually won? I didn't mean, I didn't mean to say that that way. But yeah, you won and you're on an upswing for that, right? How many of you have ever gotten a raise at work that you weren't expecting? Okay, some of you are doing a horrible job, right? <clears throat> There's very, it, it's true, the top 10% are holding the country together. Everybody else is just kind of, you know. How many of you have ever been excited because you're making more money? Come on, church. Yeah, you're making more money. Somebody thinks that what you are doing in that moment is very valuable. You're on an upswing. You are rich in spirit. Poor in spirit is the opposite of that. It's when things aren't going well, when things aren't, aren't really good, you are poor in spirit and your spirit is low and it's really just not an exciting day to be alive. Have you ever had a moment where it just wasn't exciting to be alive? This is a day, oh, things are just so bad and you feel like a loser. Have you ever felt like a loser with a capital L that's huge that everybody sees. And you think everybody knows you're a loser. You know you're a loser. You're the biggest loser. Not in weight, but in worth. 
I like you. I like you very much. Yeah. Yeah. I'm not going to call her out, but that, that was great. I like people that laugh at my jokes. I just do. <clears throat> it's just, you know, it, it gives me an upswing to be rich in spirit. <laughs> All right. So, yeah. So, yeah, when you can't win, when you're just struggling to get along, it is a condition you find yourself in in a fallen world. You're poor in spirit. Um, the particular word for poor there means this <clears throat> in the Greek. To crouch or cower like a beggar, that's beggar, it's misspelled, deeply destitute, oppressed, downcast because of your situation, you feel hopeless as a hopeless beggar. You just feel everything is hopeless. So maybe I can bring it in with just a couple of phrases that you may have thought. It's when you can't get your act together. Have you ever been in a moment where you just can't get your act together? You just absolutely can't get your act together. It's that moment. You are poor in spirit because you can't get your act together. It's when you are not happy with the person in the mirror. Have you ever woke up one morning, looked in the mirror, and just not happy with that person? That's when you are poor in spirit. It's when you seem to be losing everything. Have you ever felt like you were just losing everything? I'm losing it all. And then it's when you wonder if it could get any worse. Have you ever wondered if it could get any worse? Like, I'm gonna go to work today. Can it really get any worse? I'm gonna go to school today. Can it really get any worse? Can it get any worse with my friends? Can it get any worse with my family? Can it get any worse in the world? You know, can, I just wonder, can it get any worse? You become poor in spirit. It's when you think others don't think much of you. Have you ever had a moment where you're like, that person doesn't think very much of me? I mean, I'm here, but they don't really think that much of me. Or, and that might be true, or it might be untrue. Have you ever thought that people didn't think much of you, but really you were wrong? Yes. Yeah. Have you ever thought that people didn't think much of you and you were right? Absolutely. Absolutely. But it's, it's when you think others don't think much of you, you become poor in spirit when you focus on that. It's when no encouragement is coming your way. Have you ever gone through a week where you just wish somebody would call you on the phone and give you some encouragement? Have you ever got home, right, <clears throat> and you have that spouse that you made a commitment to and you would just like them to be positive for one night? Yes, because you're married, that has happened to you. Can we just be positive for just a moment here? I just, I'm looking for something, I'm reaching for something and you're supposed to be my soulmate. Why can't you encourage me? Right? Why can't you encourage me? So when no encouragement is coming your way from the people that you think should be giving it to you. It's when you're desperate for a hand to hold. It's when you feel ugly. Have you ever felt ugly? Back in the day when we were in school, when one of our friends was dating somebody that wasn't pretty, we would say, she has a nice personality. She's very nice. She has a nice personality. But we're like, I don't know. Is he blind? Does he need to go get glasses? I mean, what in the world is going on? It's when you feel ugly and you think other people think you're ugly as well. And you get poor in spirit because you feel ugly. It's when you're not the first choice. I've been in situations where I'm not the first choice. <clears throat> yeah. Should I be? I don't know. But I've been in situations where I've, I wasn't the first choice, like in, in, in elementary school. Now it's a counseling moment for everybody out here. Just a counseling. Let me share my heart. What has happened at Colfax Elementary School? I played kickball. I was always the last person chosen. I choose all these other people. And I never got to be on the team I wanted to be on. Like the team with all the winners, I couldn't be on the team with all the winners. I was on Felicia's team. Because <laughs> there's always a guy and a girl, and I'd wind up being on the girls' team. I was this tall. I'm not athletic at all. They were making the right choice. I wouldn't even choose me <laughs> for this team. You know, we were just not the first choice. Yeah. 
And we've, I think we've all felt that way. I just want their first choice. It's when things don't go as you wish. You wish they would have went this way, but they didn't go this way. They, it, it was just worse. You wanted them to get better, but they just didn't get better. It's when you focus on what you don't have. Have you ever done that? Been so focused on what you don't have that you miss what you do have. But you're so focused on what you don't have that it just, it's just a poor in spirit type of moment. It's when you can't look someone in the eye because you're so poor in spirit. You, you just feel very down. And it's when you, it's also when you keep reliving those sins. Have you ever relived your sins that you've done in the past? I have. And it's weird when I relive them. It's usually when I'm down or when I just did the same thing again and I relive those, those, uh, those sins. And, and it just weighs on you. Like, why wouldn't God why would God even love me because of what I've done? I made a big mistake in the past and man, I wish that wasn't part of my history. Do you have anything in your life that you just are like, man, I wish that wasn't part of my history. I wish that one day when I get to heaven and there's a thousand foot LED screen showing my life to everybody, because I know you think that, right? We're just all right there and all the people that I've ever known are gonna watch and they're gonna watch those moments that I didn't do the right thing, that I sinned, the stuff that I'm not proud of is gonna just be all right there and you just feel bad, you feel worthless, you feel horrible, you are poor in spirit. And in those moments where you feel poor in spirits because, because of the condition that has happened to you, because of what you have done or whatever, Jesus says this, you are fortunate. You are receiving a kingdom. You are worth something. Maybe I can paraphrase it like this. Jesus is saying, deal me in. Deal me in. I want to be a part of that. I want to be a part of that person's life that feels like they're nothing. I want to be a part of them. I want to go with them in the trenches. I want to hold their hand. I want to get them there. I want to to be with them. Jesus is saying, deal me in. I want to be with the losers. I don't want to be on this winning team over here. These people that think they're all that. I want to be on this team over here of the losers, the people that are really, really struggling through life. And Jesus says, you have a kingdom and that means you are a kingdom citizen. That means you have a king that is with you in the moment of your desperate need. That means he's coming in to walk with you through that moment where you feel the lowest and he loves to do it. Is that not awesome? And Jesus says before a crowd of people that are both Jews and Gentiles, he says, blessed are you losers because you are actually winning. You are receiving my kingdom. Woo! Yeah. I'm not getting a participation trophy. I'm getting the kingdom, right? I'm not getting second place. I've got a mansion. I'm... I'm, I'm not losing everything. I've gained everything through the Lord Jesus Christ. I've got it all. This is amazing. You have a kingdom. You've got a kingdom. Deal me in. Have you ever been on Facebook? Of course you have. No? That's good because you're too young. They should keep the phones away from you. Okay, good. So... <laughs> just trying to help some parents out and making a teenager not like me anymore. So that, that, there's that. Now I feel poor in spirit and I'm gonna think about that this afternoon. All right, back to this. On Facebook, you have somebody that goes, um, my mom's got cancer, she has three weeks to live. And then you read through it and then there's these people that put things like, sending good vibes your way, right? We're sending good thoughts your way and they're, they're making those types of statements. I don't even know what a good vibe is, and I don't know how you send it someone's way. I don't know how that works at all. I know how prayer works. Like when people say, I'm praying for you, yeah, right? But I'm sending good vibes your way, as if that's gonna help the individual that they're 
Have you ever thought about this? Nobody's ever thought about this. It's just me. Maybe I'm being overly critical about this. Here's why I'm bringing this up. God is not up in heaven when you are low and down saying, I'm sending you good vibes. God, I'm sending you good vibes. Love, lots of love, right? I feel you in my heart. I'm with you in spirit. Well, he is with you in spirit, but nonetheless, I'm with you in spirit. You know, I'm not actually there, but I'm thinking about you while you're going through that tough time. He's not doing that. Jesus is up in heaven saying, in your losing type of moments, I'm with you. I'm not sending you good vibes. I'm with you. I'm coming to you. I'm holding your hand. I'm putting my arm around you. I'm comforting you because you are worth it to me. You are worth it to me. We tell ourselves a bunch of lies, don't we? <clears throat> Emotional lies, don't we? Um, Recently, um, I was in contact with a guy and he made me think about this, like the lies that I tell myself. I never thought about lies that I told myself before until I met this guy and he was trying to help me through something, help me think through something. And I was like, dude, um, I'm trying to do this over here. Why are we doing this here? And he explained, well, you've got to figure out the lies you're telling yourself in order to be a better leader. And so I was like, okay. So I started thinking about lies that I tell myself and I... I wrote these down. They're not available. <clears throat> I'm not going to print them and put them in the bulletin. Right? I'm not going to do that. In fact, I, I've shredded them now, all these lies that I had been telling myself. And I wrote these things down. And it's amazing if you just take the time to write down the lies that you're telling yourself, um, what you come up with. One of them that I've <clears throat> told myself, which is partly true, partly true, but not completely true, is that I'm a stuttering wimp. I'm a stuttering wimp. Sometimes I feel like that after I preach a message. I know you haven't noticed, but there are times that I just can't get the words out of my mouth. The brain is like all the hamsters are really excited. They're on an upswing. They're rich in spirit. But man, my mouth just can't keep up with it anymore. It's kind of like I'm playing peanut in my with my, you know, it's just, I can't keep up with all this stuff. You know, I just can't keep up with it. And sometimes I just stutter and I get down after a, a message and I, and I'm like, man, I don't, I don't think anybody's going to be back next week. I don't even know why they would come back anyway. I don't even know why people would come here and listen to this mess that's going on at 11 o'clock and 930 every Sunday. It's just a mess. And so I tell myself, you stuttering, you stuttering wimp. But then Jesus says, the moment where you're poor in spirit and you're down on yourself, um, I'm with you while you're stuttering. You're not a wimp. You're my servant. I'm empowering you, and you are receiving a kingdom. That's an amazing thing. Maybe God works through our weaknesses and not our prideful strengths. Maybe that's what he does. And so his spirit is free to flow. So yeah, another lie. <clears throat> this isn't a lie that I tell myself. I've heard other people say, say this one. And that's the truth. Because I'm preaching, we're in church, and I'm, I'm just telling the truth, okay? I'm losing everything. I've heard people say, I'm just losing everything. I get what they're saying, but they're not losing everything. Sometimes when we think we're losing everything, all we can see is what is being pruned from our life, not what is left that God has for us to enjoy. Are you on this side of the dirt this morning? The other side is either six to eight feet under in a box that may be too big for you. Are you on this side of the dirt? Then you've got something. You're not losing everything. Do you still have clothes on your back? You're not losing everything. Were you able to sleep in a bed last night? You're not losing everything. 
You just feel like you're losing everything. You have that poor in spirit type of thing going on, but you have to look past that. You have to quit believing the lie you're losing it all because you're not. And Jesus says, you will never lose it all. You will always be saved. You will always be receiving a kingdom. You are a citizen of that kingdom. You are a part of my family. You cannot lose that. God the Father has you in his hand. Jesus has that hand. And then the Holy Spirit has wrapped it up and sealed it. You aren't going anywhere. Jesus has already paid for you. He's already invested in you. You're already worth it to him. You aren't losing it all. And even the stuff that you are losing is just a part of his pruning plan. And when he prunes, you say, ouch. Right? Pruning is just not a fun thing. Hey, just cut off some people in my life. You don't really want that. But when God comes in, you're not, he cuts it off. There's some things that just has has to go. You are not losing everything. So quit telling yourself that lie. You are blessed. You are fortunate to be a child of God. Have you ever thought that you have no thoughts worth sharing to anyone? Then we go something like this. <clears throat> you're in a conversation, somebody, right? And your idea gets put on the table and it gets shot down. You ever had your ideas shot down? Are you married? <laughs> you have had your ideas shot down. Yeah. Nicole doesn't say this, but I just kind of take the Greek and interpret it. Sometimes she looks at me and the interpretation of that look is, that is the stupidest thing I have ever heard anybody say in my entire life. She looks at me that way. She loves me to death, but there are sometimes, you know, that happens. Look, on the other side, I actually tell her, that's dumb. <laughs> like, the, at least she looks and she's kind in that particular direction. Philip, who isn't kind, just say, Nicole, that's dumb right? I don't mean to hurt her feelings by it, but I just, it just comes, you know, out of, out of your mind. There's sometimes that you feel like, that you feel like, I just can't contribute. There's nothing that I contribute to help this situation. I'm always wrong. There's nothing I can do. And you become poor in spirit. Quit telling yourself that lie. You, as a child and citizen of the kingdom, have something to offer everyone you come in contact with. And at the base level, it's Jesus and what he's done for you. At the base level. But it's more than that. He has gifted you with certain gifts. Stay in your lane. Use those gifts. Give that to people. You are not a loser. Quit telling yourself that you have no thoughts worth worth giving, nothing you can add to anyone's life. Quit telling yourself those types of lies. You are important, very important. The lies we tell ourselves. I don't know how to say this, so don't take it any any way like bad, any way over here or. You know, that I think a lot of myself or, or anything like that. Just, I don't know how to say this. I've, I've, think, I've thought about this a little while, just don't know how to say this. Um, and so here it is. I do a lot for God. I do a lot for God. I don't mean I do a lot, he better be thankful for me. That's not what I mean. It's all I do. Like, I wake up on Sunday morning, I'm coming here, I'm doing ministry. I wake up on Monday, and when I go to work, I'm doing ministry in the church because he's called me to do this. Do you see what I'm talking about here? Like, and, and so Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, I try to take off, but you know, there's always some type of phone call or, you know, it, people don't go to the hospital on my schedule, right? People go to the hospital on Fridays, you just have to <clears throat> do, do all that and, and Saturday and stuff. So, so there's a lot, like my life is, is just serving God because that's what I've been called to do. When I was first called to serve God, I was very excited about it, and I still am, okay? It's not the same way, but I'm, I'm still excited about it. But I was very excited about it, and I, I felt like it was a water-walking experience. Like I'm gonna follow God, eventually I'll be a pastor, 
be able to preach the word of God, be able to see people's lives changed, people saved, um, people baptized. It's gonna be an amazing thing. It's like you're walking on top of the water. My whole life is gonna be walking on top of the water. It's, it's just gonna be great. It's gonna be great. It's gonna be great. But I'm here to tell you, being a pastor and doing what I do and serving God the way that he's called me to do is not always a walking on the water experience. Sometimes, a lot of times, I feel like I'm drowning. It's a drowning sort of experience. I'm drowning and Jesus knows I can't swim. He knows that. He knows I'm just gonna bob up and down, you know, and try to get to the bottom of whatever it is. I just can't swim and sometimes it just, like you just feel like the water, you're drowning, you just can't get up. And, and it's situations like, like what I'm about to tell you about, okay? <clears throat> so when you meet with some people, this is just a general statement. When you meet with some people, you give them instruction from the word of God and they don't do it and their lives do not change. You feel like you're drowning. Well, I wasn't convincing enough. I, I, I wish that they would turn. There's, there's a lot of stuff that weighs on your shoulders and you just feel like you're drowning because it, there's some people that just don't change. They just don't change and you feel like you're drowning. And in the moment, you start to think, well, maybe I really don't have anything good to offer. And maybe what I told them just wasn't good. Maybe what I told them was the wrong thing to tell them. So you start thinking through this kind of stuff and your spirit kind of gets low and you start thinking, man, man, Lord, I think you called the wrong person. I think it was a wrong number when I was 18 years old. Is everybody track, tracking with all this? And so you thought it was gonna be a water walking experience, but then man, you're, just, you're just kind of drowning. And in those moments, as you're praying about them, Jesus just kindly reminds me he hasn't left me. I might feel like I'm drowning, but I'm not. And I'm receiving the kingdom and building the kingdom for him. Because serving God isn't always walking on water. This is awesome. Sometimes it's a little bit depressing and your spirit kind of gets down. And I think at that moment, if I can just be this straight up forward, you kind of get a taste of what God sees when he looks at humanity. All of humanity is drowning. He died on the cross to save humanity and some people, some people just ignore him. So he feels that in that moment, but he keeps going. So why does he do that? So to answer that question, I want you to turn in your Bibles to Luke chapter 14. <clears throat> Luke chapter 14. So Jesus has invited all these people. Some, some decide not to come. In verse 15, well, let's start with verse 16. Well, it's 15. When one of those who reclined at the table with him heard these things, he said to him, blessed is everyone who will eat bread in the kingdom of God. But he said to him, a man once gave a great banquet and invited many. And at the time for the banquet, he sent his servant to say to those who had been invited, come, for everything is now ready. But they all alike began to make excuses. The first said to him, I have bought a field and I must go out and see it. Please have me excused. And another said, I have bought five yoke of oxen and I go to examine them. Please have me excused. And another said, I have married a wife and therefore... I cannot come. So the servant came and reported these things to his master. And the master of the house became angry and said to his servant, go out quickly to the streets and the lanes of the city and bring in the poor and the crippled and the blind 
and the lame and every loser you can find. And the servant said, sir, what you commanded has been done. Still there is room. And the master said to the servant, go out into the highways and the hedges and compel the losers to come in that my house may be filled. For I tell you, none of those men who are invited shall taste my banquet. That is just, what is going on here? How many of you were alive when the Twin Towers were actually a thing? They were there, yeah. How many of you have been born since the Twin Towers have been attacked and they're no longer there? How many of you? So isn't that, isn't that amazing to think about that there's some people that never saw the Twin Towers, never, never actually saw it? Yeah, it's kind of neat. Um, in 1974, there was this guy named Philippe Petit. And he decided to um, tightrope walk, walk between the two towers. In fact, in the documentary, um, when he's being interviewed, he says, yeah, when the building started to go up, he's French, when the building started to go up, I thought, wow, that would be something great to tightrope walk in between. Who else thought of that? Like, sign me up. Um, I think that would be a great way, great place to tightrope walk. He has no contraption to keep him safe other than that pole. And he went out and he did it. Now, this was illegal, but he went out and, and he did it. And he's still talked about today. So when he was interviewed and the uh, reporter said, um, why did you do this? Here, here is his response. He said this, there is no why. It is who I am. I just had to. Why does God invite the people, sport for, uh, look, there it is, see? Poor in spirit to come to his banquet. Why? God's up in heaven saying, there is no why. It's just who I am. It's just who I am. See, it's not about how you feel about yourself. It's about how God feels about you. It's not about what you are like because it's what God is like because God is love. And when he looks at you, he looks at you through the eyes of love.
Thank you, Nate. 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 9 says this. But he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly of my weakness, so that the power of Christ may rest upon me. When you are feeling poor in spirit, boast in it. Boast in it. Lord, I don't feel good, but man, I'm so glad this is happening. Boast in it. I'm so glad this is happening because you, Jesus, use my weakness as a strength to reach people. And that is an amazing, amazing thing. Um, it's the time of year where, you know, you, you go outside and you, you build a fire in your fire pit, right? Yeah? No? I'm the only country per- Okay, good. Okay. Go outside, build a fire in your fire pit. And uh, I've, I've had several fires in my fire, fire pit over, over a, a season. And sometimes there's a couple of days in the row where you just continue to do it. And what happens is you build the fire up and then at night, you know, it gets down to the embers and it's kind of just smoldering. But then if you use um, paper and cardboard that's not used in the box maze, that's the thing in my house. You have to ask. Box maze, and you, and you kind of get it going again. You can put sticks and get that fire going, and the fire can keep going without, you know, you doing matches. You can rebuild the fire up, and it comes back up. And then that night, it will go back down, and it'll just be kind of sombering and, you know, kind of there. But then you can build it back up. There's some of us, that when we first started following Jesus, it was a fire-burning moment. The fire was lit inside of us, right? And we were just so excited about it, so excited about it. And, we, and, and it was just absolutely amazing. But over time, as things have happened, the fire has started to die. And maybe for you today, you feel poor in spirit and you just have some embers that are just smoldering. In fact, you might be sitting here today thinking that your fire has gone completely out. Jesus is making a proclamation at the beginning of his sermon to say, your fire hasn't gone out, it's just smoldering. Your fire hasn't gone out because the fire that's inside your heart isn't yours. And one day, I'm coming back and I'm going to get paper and cardboard, and sticks, and big pieces of wood, and I'm going gasoline on the thing. I'm gonna pour it on there, and the stuff that was smoldering is just gonna light up in a big fire because you still have the kingdom of God. You are in it now, and you're going to be in it later when I set up my kingdom, so hold on tight. Your fire isn't out Hold on tight, I'm with you, it's coming back. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for this encouraging word that you started your sermon with over 2,000 years ago. Um, There isn't a person in this room that hasn't been poor in spirit at some time in their life where they just felt like they were not worth anything. Conditions arose and it just beat us down is what happened. We are thankful this morning that even in those moments, you chose to invest in us. You chose to be with, those in the, be with us in those moments and not just be an observer of those moments. We are thankful, Father, that even when we felt like we were losing everything, we actually weren't. We were still winners. We were still receiving your kingdom. So for the people that are hurting this morning, as they listen to this sermon, I pray that this will be a moment of encouragement. I pray that you wrap your arms around them, hold their hands, lift them up today. 
let this message just be something that encourages them this week. So we ask all these things we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. I'm here for you to pray for you. If you need it, the altar is open as well. So let's stand and sing.